This recording is provided by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ on our website as part of our sermon content for January the 10th. I'm going to begin by reading from John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. I hope we do not get into the habit of reading only those parts of the Bible that report what is pleasant and painless. Every part of the Bible has a purpose, and I would offer to you, if we skip passages like this because they contain and narrate some pain, we will not be fully equipped to understand the whole message or appreciate our beloved Savior and all that He went through for us. Here in John 19, we encounter the historical fact that Jesus was treated with not only indifference, but active contempt and malice and violence. He was handled with cruelty that reached such extremes. It is hard for us to read it, and think about it, but we need to understand how he suffered for us. We will observe later in this sermon there is a crown for us, very different from the one placed on his head. To someday wear that crown requires that we understand something of the crown he wore. There is this passage I've read in John 19, and you may want to add Matthew 27, 29. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. We need to try to get this picture. What need was there to dress him in this robe of mocking? Was it not enough to have nails invade his body, pinning him to a wooden beam? And why crush the thorns down into his head? The text tells us the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns, or some translations have the word braided. There are two types of thorn plants native to Palestine in the first century. Both have long, flexible twigs that can be woven together into a crown. But one of those two plants bears twigs with sharp spikes of one to one and a half inches long. Many historians believe the Roman soldiers used the latter to create these instruments of torture. It became a ghastly craft. 
the Roman soldier had to weave this common plant very carefully. Otherwise, he would be wounded while twisting these twigs together. It was very risky work, but the outcome was considered some sort of morbid pleasure to those who were capable of such malice. The military craftsmen would spend hours weaving the awful headwear before the time of execution. This crown of thorns is what they pressed into the head of the Savior. You may find it interesting. We can use the Bible to trace the history and use of thorns. First, we can turn to the early pages of the Bible and discover the origin of thorns. You may already know thorns were not with creation in the beginning. In the beginning, God lovingly sculptured creation, created the soft colors of green and grass and trees, the beautiful blue sky, the reds and yellows of the flowers of the fields. Everything was made beautiful and soft, and all things were designed in such a way as to bring enjoyment to man, the pinnacle of God's creation. We were designed to walk and live in a pleasant environment with pleasant work to do that was productive. But something happened after God made the world. Two innocent people became two guilty people when Adam and Eve sinned. God responded to their sin in such a way as to convey how destructive sin is. Listen, please, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So, the gentle, soft colors and easy harvest of the field were now corrupted by sharp objects called thorns and thistles. Sin brought into the world many bad, painful things. One was thorns. The stinging, putrid thorns and thistles came up from the earth as testimony to the disobedience of man. When Jesus suffered for sinners, he bore the dreadful consequences, though he was perfectly innocent. He felt the pain of sin in so many ways. Part of that suffering was to suffer the penetration of those thorns that came into existence when Adam and Eve committed sin against God. The Roman military craftsman weaves those twigs and thorns together to hurt the Son of God. They meant it for evil. God used it for good. The Bible gives us this information about the origin of thorns. 
Now turn to Numbers chapter 33. We always like for you to have your Bible ready to listen to these recordings. Numbers chapter 33, and let's see how thorns came into the history of Israel. Numbers 33, 55, and 56. Now, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Israel came into the land, and as they enjoyed that physical inheritance, they were under duty to God to drive out the previous inhabitants of the land. The Lord said through Moses, when you get there and possess the land, if you don't do as I say, the previous occupants of the land will give you so much trouble, it will be barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. From this expression in Numbers 33, we have the expression thorn in the side. And that's right alongside the modern expression, pain in the neck. The idea is suffering and pain. There's more. When Jesus warned the people about false teachers, he used this same symbolism. I want you to listen now to Matthew seven fifteen through 19. Matthew seven fifteen through 19. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Did you hear that? Thorn bushes. Observe how all this is connected here. False prophets are like wolves in sheep's clothing, and you will know them by their fruits. What they produce will tell you where they're coming from. We have to be fruit inspectors when listening to men preach. If the fruit is not a product of the Word of God, Jesus wants all the alarm bells to sound, and we should treat the false teachers as we would thorn bushes. Thorns came into existence as a consequence of sin. The trouble suffered by the Israelites bear that same imagery, likewise the work of false teachers. Matthew 13. I want to bring up verses 3 through 9 in Matthew chapter 13. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns 
and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. In this parable, the word of God is good seed. In preaching, reading the text, and teaching, the word of God can lodge in the good and honest hearts of people. And that's where conversion occurs. Character changes and fellowship with God begins, sin forgiven. But sometimes the word of God falls into a heart that is not good and honest. There is so much in that heart that is contrary to the word of God, the word doesn't find a home. As Jesus expressed that negative, he spoke of it in terms of the choking thorns that are in the heart. Then there is the Apostle Paul who suffered some affliction that he called his thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, he said, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I don't know exactly what this was since the affliction is not specified in the text. Paul wanted this pain to be gone and he prayed for that, but the answer was, my grace is sufficient. Hearing that answer, Paul gloried in his infirmities that the power of Christ might rest on him. Now, we've looked at all those passages. What is the common link? When you survey what the Bible says about thorns, their origin after the fall, their meaning for the oppressed Israelites, the symbol of false teaching, in the parable, the choking of the word, and in Paul's case, pain he lived with by the power of Christ. Thorns carry an imagery that is painful. It's all negative, conveying great intensity of suffering. Jesus literally wore that pain and suffering on his head. As the prophet said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was made to wear this malicious, ugly headgear. And the purpose of men was to express their contempt toward the only perfect human being they ever met, and the only one with the power to save them from their sin. Listen again, please. In John chapter 19, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, 
I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 4, and we're going to read verses 6 through 8. I'll give you a moment, or you can pause the recording. This is important. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Here's what it says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, written by Paul. I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Because we are all sinners, we cannot just claim the crown of righteousness on any personal basis. We cannot say to God, look what I've done. Look how great I am. Look how I've lived. Give me what I've earned. That's not our reality. Here's our reality. Christ wore his crown so that we can wear our crown. He suffered and died so we could be children of God forgiven of sin and live under his authority. He wore his crown so that we can wear our crown of righteousness. But the crown is not handed out to just anyone and everyone. Paul says, to all who have loved his appearing. Do you love his appearing? What does it mean to love his appearing? It means you know why Christ came and you embrace all that that means. It means your faith in him leads to the activity of obedience. Those who have become Christians and who live daily as Christians are the ones identified as loving his appearing. Christians love him love his appearing, and while Christians mourn that he suffered, they have discovered the grace of God and the mercy of Christ in that suffering and death. Knowing this, Christ wore his crown of thorns so that we can wear our crown of righteousness. Let's allow our love for Christ to grow, to abound more and more, knowing he wore his crown so that we can wear our crown to be given to us by the grace of God. In the hymn, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It, Fanny J. Crosby wrote, I know there's a crown that is waiting in yonder bright mansion for me. Do you want this crown? You cannot earn it, but you can receive it by the activity of your faith in Christ. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. 1 John 5 and verse 3, We urge you to meet the Lord's conditions 
so that you can wear this crown someday. And I want to add, I'm thankful to a brother in Christ who has passed away many years ago, Daryl Shaw, for helping me prepare this sermon. And thank you for listening.